This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Catitude. I'm your show host, Michelle Fern. You know, when you're choosing a veterinarian or even thinking about what goes on behind the scenes with your veterinarian, you must have a zillion questions. Or if you're, you know, maybe just adopted a cat and looking for a veterinarian, we're going to talk about what goes on at the veterinarian, what's behind the scenes that you don't know about, and later on in the show, we're going to give you some tips on what you should look specifically for when you are taking your cat to a veterinarian, because there's some things your veterinarian should have that are not the same if you have a dog. <laughs> so we'll be right back after this message. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to welcome Dr. Louis Deljudice. He is the National Emergency Medical Director at Amerivet. And I'd like to welcome Dr. Brian Hurley. He is the National Medical Director at Amerivet. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Okay, before we get into all this, you know, veterinarian talk is always kind of serious. So before we get into this, I want to ask you both, why did you decide to become veterinarians? I'm always interested in that question. So I'm the typical veterinarian who decided to become a veterinarian at the age of five years old. We had a Brittany Spaniel named Shelby who was hit by a car and we rushed her to the veterinarian and unfortunately she didn't make it. And I turned to my parents and said, when I grow up, I'm going to be a veterinarian and I will make sure no pet ever leaves their family again. And so that started the path and here I am over 25 years later, realized my dream and continue being very involved in the veterinary industry. Oh, that's a great story. I gave me goosebumps. Some <laughs> Anytime our fur babies leave, you know, and when it's sudden, it's even worse. So, yes, absolutely. Okay, Dr. Lewis, why did you decide to become a veterinarian? Very similar story to Dr. Brian, not knowing anything else I've ever wanted to do or that I can recall wanting to do. Ask my parents, I'll tell you the same thing. It's just been the one career path I've always been settled on since I was a kid. We lost our family dog, and luckily not to a hit by car, just to natural causes when I was about 10, 11. Her name was Candy, and that was my comfort. That was my security blanket growing up was her. So this has been the career path for me as well the entire time. You know, I think that's probably true 
about from vets I've spoken to and the veterinarians that we have um, quite a few that have shows on Pet Life Radio. I would say that's probably true of almost 70% of veterinarians. What do you guys think? It wouldn't surprise me to be that number. Yeah. You have to be dedicated. And there's challenges too, because they're slowly building more veterinarian schools, but there's not a lot of them. So Correct. That makes it also pretty challenging. Well, thanks for uh, satisfying my curiosity and sharing that with everyone listening. Now, keep in mind, this is Catitude, and you both mentioned dogs, but I want to know, what's your favorite animal? And you're both supposed to say cats. No, I'm not really. What is your favorite animal? Even if you've never had this animal, but you would like, you know, would like to have one, even if they're not maybe domestic type animals. But if you could somehow have it as a pet, that's what you would choose. You can go first, Dr. Lou. Yeah, any animal I would choose. My favorite that I enjoy when I, we go to the zoo with the kids is I love watching the gorillas. Philly Zoo's got some, you know, great primate exhibit. And I love just hanging out watching the gorillas. I would say overall, my favorite like animal is a gorilla. Between our domestic pets, I, I do like cats. I am kind of a, a cat person. When I was out on my own, my parents didn't like cats, particularly my dad. When I got out on my own, the first animal I acquired for myself was a cat. Okay, that's good. And gorillas are amazingly smart, very smart from what I've heard, what I've read. Okay. So for me, you know, I chose to become a small animal veterinarian and I like both dogs and cats. We have had one domestic short hair cat named AJ who unfortunately passed away at 16 uh, from lymphosarcoma and we have a chocolate lab. But my favorite animal to work on throughout veterinary school was I had the ability to work on a lot of exotic animals. And my favorite was some of the tigers that I got to work with. And actually some of them were very tame and would sit on my lap. And so I have never forgotten that experience of, of the big cat. Wow. You know, they say that our current felines aren't all that different from the larger cats. You know, they're very much uh, similar as how they stalk their prey and um, how they do certain behaviors. Not all that different compared to, say, how different dogs are from when they first were domesticated. I would absolutely agree with that. I think cats pose a pretty big challenge not only for the pet owner, but for veterinarians because of that survival, the fittest mentality and, you know, the strong survive, they tend to mask a lot of what's going on with them because I think it, it's innately in their DNA to say, if I show weakness, something will take advantage. And so Unlike our dogs, who I always joke are very much like humans, if they get a, you know, if they break a nail, they're whining and limping and okay. crying. Cats will not do that. And we sometimes, by the time they get to us, you know, the disease has progressed a little further than we might see in, in our canine patients. So true. I had a situation with Dennis like that. And so true. So let's talk about this. So how can cat pet parents find a good veterinarian? And what should they look for once they go to the location? My idea really of a good veterinarian, I'd like to think most of us, there are so few schools out there and we all go through the same 
curriculum. I think the most important thing is if you don't have a recommendation from a family member, from a good friend, or you haven't heard of a reputation of a veterinarian in the area, it's going and visiting each of these veterinarians and and having a conversation with them, even if it means paying a, an exam fee with your new cat, just to get a feel for who makes you feel comfortable, who treats you and can communicate with you at that level that you're comfortable with and you feel you can trust. That's really where I think veterinarians separate themselves is in that ability to communicate, be empathetic with the pet owner and gain the the pet owner's trust. I think all of us are capable of doing the medicine, but as we know, we really appreciate those doctors, even for us as humans that really show that they care. You know, so the old saying, they don't care how much we know until they know how much we care really, I think stands out huge in the veterinary hospitals. Exactly. And what should a pet parent, especially for cats, look for when they go into that office? Dr. Lou? I think it starts with even when they're calling to make the appointment, you know, how does the front staff answer the phone call? You want, like Dr. Hurley said, you want to find a hospital that you vibe with. And we all vibe with different individuals, whereas different as our cat breeds. Finding the, you like the way they answer the phone, you like the way they greet you when you walk in the door, you like the way they talk to you when you're in the exam room, you know, developing that rapport to where you're comfortable. So I think it just comes down to developing your comfort. So it's going to be variable individual to individual, what you find is important to you, whether it is the communication, is it the visual appeal of the hospital what's the decor and it varies person to person as it does with the veterinarian providing that service so getting that comfort level because the more comfortable you are the more open you are to discussing what's happening with your pet and hearing what they're telling you about your pet as well so i think it's going to be variable individual individuals might take on it so it's hard to say one thing I agree with both of you. I also, what, and I know not all veterinarian offices can do this just because there's a lack of space, but I do like when I see a separate section for cats because sometimes cats can be terrified and dogs can, you know, they, they move all over the place. Cats are in carriers, but it's nice when there's sometimes separate locations. Yeah. You know, not always possible, but it's nice. And sometimes if you have a cat that's really nervous, you know, the office will put you in the room. I actually fired a veterinarian once because I believe in show me the hair, show me the fur on the coat. I think you guys will both agree with me. If a veterinarian is not willing to, and this was with my Mr. Zeus, it was a dog, but for cats also, if they're not willing to touch your cat with dogs, get down on the floor, even maybe with a scared cat, get down on the floor, you know, comfort the cat in their way or dog in that way and talk to you about, you know, the pet, soothing the pet rather than just come and say, you should do this, 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 this. And it's, you know, $2,000. So that I think is huge. Absolutely. Veterinary medicine has changed so dramatically even since Dr. Lou and I graduated from veterinary school. So I graduated back in 1994 and I'm watching my daughter now 
following my footsteps. She's at the University of Florida, third year veterinary student. And the way they're being trained is really a a lot different from the way we are, particularly with Fear Free and all these other avenues that we're as older veterinarians are trying to keep up with those changes. So like you said, the reason a lot of these veterinary hospitals don't have the space is no one ever thought about, I need to keep cats separate from dogs. And now everybody's thinking about that. And so you're, you're absolutely right. And, but I think there's this trend towards that. That's why we now have cat only hospitals, because there are those individuals that don't have dogs or never will have dogs. And they just want somebody focused strictly on their pet and their feline pet. And there is something to be said for taking a cat to a feline only practice in that they tend to, the smells are going to be a lot different than say a general practice that sees dogs, cats, ferrets, birds, chickens, hamsters, and everything. You know, personally, I'm okay if there's you know, not a separate area. I know that there's limitations in sizes. And interestingly enough, the veterinarian that I fired was um, a younger veterinarian. So she, you know, should have known more about the fail free whatever. But I just think that and I talked to top veterinarians and you know that are out there. We have some great ones that host shows on Pet Life Radio. And I've been to veterinary conferences. And I think I have about a 95% agree on this one. If a veterinarian's not willing to get some hair on them, to, you know, touch the dog, to if a dog, well, this is dogs because they're bigger, but cats usually are on the table, but not willing to get some hair on them, you know, touch your pet. They have to touch, right? You have, that's how you do the exam. Just not willing to get down and dirty a little bit, right? Because it's a little dirty. You get hair on you all the time. You might get other stuff on you. It's then that's not the place for me. To me, that's a big red flag that I don't want my dog there or cat. Right. No, it makes perfect sense. That's like almost like a chef that doesn't want to get dirty. Like what? Yes. I mean, <laughs> how? How do you do that, right? What, you know, a good veterinarian should come home and have hair all over the place, you know, or, or well, that's why you have your lab coats on, your doctor jackets, you know. Anyway, we're going to be right back. We're going to talk all about a mare vet. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Michelle Fern here. You know, when my cat's healthy, she's happy. And when my little diva Molly is happy, that makes me happy. But I'm not a mind reader. I don't always know when she's healthy. And so helping me along and just to know that my cat's healthy is just one reason I use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter is made up of ultra-absorbent crystals that trap odor instantly. No more stinky cat bathroom smell. I love the fact that it weighs less. No more lugging heavy boxes. And it's dust-free. That's because Pretty Litter has a super light crystal base. And it also, since it's dust-free, it's less messy. And the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the trash can. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes color to help detect early signs of potential illness in my cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. This is so important because, you know, I talk about cats, I have four, but Molly, she's my little diva baby, and I can't tell when she's not feeling good, you know? 
cults are stoic creatures. She doesn't say, hey, mom, something's up. So how would I know? Another great benefit is that Pretty Litter ships free to my door in a small, lightweight bag. I never run out of it, and I don't have a huge container of litter taking up space and stinking up my place. Pretty Litter helps keep my cat healthy and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash petliferadio to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash petliferadio to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash petliferadio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. So, Dr. Lewis, Dr. Byrne, let's talk about Amerivet. What exactly is Amerivet Partners? Do you want to take this one, Dr. Lou? <laughs> Come on, sure, Lou. I am doing a lot here. So, since you were the first. <laughs> So we are a veterinary group that will partner with a veterinarian to enhance their business, to improve and free them up so that they can concentrate on medicine and concentrate on their patients while we help them and assist them on their operational flow, their inventory, all the other data processing, HR stuff that bogs down their day and takes away from their patient care. So we provide some back-end support to allow the doctor to be a doctor and get back to enjoying what they got into this field for. Dr. Brian can elaborate a lot more here because he was our very first partner. (laughs) (laughs) The original OG of Amerivet. So Dr. Brian, my next question is actually probably for you. How does it help veterinarians, even though um, Dr. Lewis kind of told us a little, but First of all, I'm sure like any business, there is a whole lot that goes on, much more that's needed other than what the primary focus is, whether, you know, it's a veterinary clinic or a restaurant or, I don't know, music studio or dress shop, whatever. There's a lot that takes away from the core business. So how does in the veterinary scope, how does it help veterinarians? Well, for us, if you think about it, veterinarians go to school to learn to take care of animals, take care of pets. And that is our primary focus. To be able to do that, you have to go work in a business or some people like myself wanted to become a business owner. And we learn by trial and fire in a lot of ways on HR issues and payroll regulations and all these other things. And so by partnering with Amerivet, what it allowed us to do was learn the art of running a business and allowed them to teach us and support us in doing things that we just really didn't know could have a great impact on our practice itself, sometimes even including the ability to, as Dr. Lou mentioned, spend more time with our patients because we weren't running to put out a fire somewhere else in, in you know, in the practice that was non-veterinary related, you know, a staff issue or a client issue that may be occurring. 
And so that's really what attracted my business partner and I to Amerivat was we felt and really believed and they have. So, you know, and that's the most important thing is they did help us help our business become much better on all levels from our medicine, practicing, our staffing, our benefits and everything tied into a business because the veterinary medicine part of it particularly once you've been out a few years, becomes the easy part. I used to like to go into rooms because I got to hide from the business side of things. <laughs> and the business side of things, it can be overwhelming because HR rules are so different state to state. Um, and then there's, you know, different filings. And I mean, I don't even know what goes on, but I can just, you know, surmise that there's a ton of different things and different state regulations and so forth. So pet parents have an idea because you've already explained how much it will help the pet parent, because as you said, your veterinarian is better able to focus on your pet. You know, you bring your cat into the vet, they're more focused there where, instead of worrying about any other issues like that. How do veterinarians find out about AmeriVet? And does AmeriVet, is it all over the United States? Is it in any other countries yet? So currently, we have 190 practices across 35 states, including Alaska. The way veterinarians are going to learn about us is going to be word of mouth. They're going to learn from referrals of friends that have explored or joined Amerivat. We also have a presence at the schools. We have presence at the major conferences. We have presence at local conferences. And so we're out in the communities you know, spreading the message of what AmeriVet is all about and how we can help them with their practices. And as veterinarians age, also help them figure out what their exit strategy is as they start thinking about retirement. How does the pet parent, since, you know, it sounds like Merivet really deals with really helping the veterinarian other than the veterinarian can focus more on the practice. But what is the difference if, say, I'm choosing a vet? Would I know if it's an Amerivet veterinarian? And would it make a difference going to, you know, Dr. Joe, who's a Merivet, or Dr. Sue, that's not a Merivet? For the pet parent, what are the benefits for a pet parent to seek out an Amerivet veterinarian if they can, you know, actually seek out one? I will answer it from a partner's point of view. What made us really at the end of the day choose to partner with Amerivet was they weren't going to broadcast that we were part of Amerivet. Gardner Animal Care Center which is my practice, is still Gardner Animal Care Center as it was pre even knowing who Amerivet was. And so we have been able to maintain our culture. We've been able to maintain our medicine without Amerivet interfering or dictating what they would like us to do. So I think that is the big key for us is we had the medicine down. We just needed help with the business side of things. And I didn't necessarily need them to come in and start telling me what vaccines I was going to use and what procedures I was going to follow and what's the standard operating procedure for this disease process. 
I have that. I know that very well. And we have a great system in our practice. So that is the advantage is some corporations can be a little more involved in the procedural part of things. And we kind of stay away from that. And, and, and that was a big intrigue, but it's going to be hard for the pet parent to know unless somebody says, Hey, we're in a Maravet hospital, or they go to the website to find out if we have a practice near them. Like you said, it's nice that they don't take over because a lot a lot of people like the idea of going to a smaller veterinary clinic. But with the Marivet, there's definitely advantages because, like you said, the, you know the veterinarians can focus more on the medical side of things without all the other, you know, with minimal other distractions. So there is a place where people can find out which veterinarians are Amerivet partners, right? Correct. We have all our partnerships on our website at Amerivet.com. Okay. I think it's an advantage for, you know, to seek out because it sounds like most of your veterinarians that are Amerivet partners are smaller veterinarians. They're not conglomerates, right? But they get the backing as if they did have all these extra resources at their hand. Correct. So- definitely an advantage for the cat or or if you have a dog cat or dog parents <laughs> so where can people find out more i know you mentioned the website but can you tell us what the website is it's amaravet.com pretty simple pretty i simple. and then in conclusion what advice do you have? I want each of you to give me a, a, a tip for um, cat pet parents for the new year if they were going to make a resolution to their cat. My resolution for their cat would be to not put off getting that examined and maybe even scheduling two wellness exams for the year because they age and metabolize so much faster than we do, making sure that they get in there and have them seen by their doctor and evaluate it so you can discuss all the preventatives that need a preventative lab work catch diseases early so i think just committing to getting that wellness exam scheduled for the year great tip i think i'll piggyback off that i would like to see our pet owners make sure that they reach out to their veterinary healthcare teams and have conversations because we know that one of the reasons you know, pet parents don't like to bring their cats to the veterinarian as it can be very stressful. Getting them in a carrier, taking them on that car ride, taking them into a strange building that has these unique sounds and smells and learning what our veterinary healthcare teams have learned and what's at our disposal to try to make that as stress-free for them as possible. Versus assuming that it's just, it has to be this very uncomfortable process because there's a lot of things that veterinarians are doing now to make our feline patients more comfortable, you know, when they come into the practice. Great advice. You know, half the battle is getting them into their crate. Although, would you believe Dennis just walks into his? <laughs> We open it, go in, Dennis. He walks in at the at the vet's office, same thing. Go walk in and he just walks in. The other ones, not so much. 
So, and, and that's a whole other show that we've done. <laughs> Keep the crate out, make it like their home and all that jazz. But that's been on other shows. I would like to thank you both. Thank you so much, Dr. Brian and Dr. Lewis for coming on Catitude and sharing this great information. Thanks for all you do for the animals and for spreading the word. We definitely need more veterinarians out there for sure. Well, thank, thank you, you for much. having us. My pleasure. I hope you all enjoyed that show. A little different perspective than we normally have on Catitude, but it's kind of interesting to um, sometimes see, you know, things from the veterinarian's point of view, and maybe it'll help you in finding your next veterinarian if you should need to look for a new one. And, you know, maybe get to the veterinarian a little bit more than usual because our cats do are very stoic. They do not like to let you know when they're in pain. Listen to some of my earlier shows. I had a situation with Mr. Dennis that was awfully scary. And anyways, I want to thank my guests for coming on Catitude. Thanks, of course, to my cat crew, Dennis, Charlotte, Molly, Jethro. And of course, thank you to everyone listening to Catitude. I appreciate it so much. And of course, this um, would not be complete without thanking my amazing producer, Mark Winter. He makes me and my guests sound amazing. So keep in mind, lose the attitude, have catitude. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>